Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. We're so glad that uh, you're here today. And uh, anyone ready to move to the North Pole? Raise your hand. I really thought we would have more people uh, raise their hand because uh, you know on Tuesday, right, that it was six degrees colder here than it was in the North Pole. Can you believe that? It was 15 degrees colder than Anchorage, Alaska. But uh, even in the midst of all the wild weather, uh, we have made it. And now we have a new uh, term to our vocabulary, polar vortex. Like, did, was that even in your vocabulary before? No? And so now we have that. So we've survived the snow and sleet and rain and frigid temperatures. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a change. And that's what I want to talk about today, and that we'll be talking about over the next six weeks, is how we can make some changes uh, in our lives. Now, some people, the only time that they change is when they're forced to change. It uh, reminds me of the story of a guy who had gotten in trouble with the law uh, quite a bit in his life, and so he uh, eventually went to his priest and he confessed, he said, I'm changing my ways, Father. And the uh, priest looked at him and said, oh, son, you've finally seen the light. And he said, no, I'm just feeling the heat. Okay? That didn't go over so well in the first one either. You know, I try hard all week for you guys. And... Well, we'll talk about sex next week. How about that? You know, that would be better. Now, there are two reasons... Uh, why people change. Either one is that they feel the heat, or secondly, they see the light. And feeling the heat forces us to change, and seeing the light inspires us to change. And since we've been so cold here in Muncie over this past week, I decided I'd bring a little heat to our celebration at church today by talking about something that we rarely hear in church. And that is we're going to talk about and teach about the body and how it can become healthier over these next few weeks. Now, growing up, as many of you know, I was a PK, a preacher's kid. All the stereotypes probably are true uh, of me. And as a preacher's kid, uh, I listened to thousands of sermons. Most of them were extremely boring, Okay. And some of those were my dad's. Actually, a lot of them were. And uh, it was just, you know, teachings that you would have on uh, things like, you know, uh, our souls and our wills and our emotions. But not once did I ever hear a teaching in my entire childhood on the body or how to become healthier. And uh, the only time that we really talked about health was after church when we would go eat. And we almost ate every single week at this place. What is that? What? You're not even saying it. No, it's not KFC. It was Kentucky Fried Chicken back in the day. But they decided marketing wasn't very good to call it fried anymore, so now they call it KFC. But I want you to know something might be a shock to you. They still fry the chicken. Okay? You can get grilled if you want, 
but they still fry it, okay? That's how it is. And we used to, uh, you know, the phrase used to be finger licking good. And we would lick all of the grease uh, from our fingers into our body. And our culture, even though it's, you know, uh, just obsessed with physical looks and sexy bodies, uh, the reality is Christ followers rarely talk about our bodies. And secondly, um, pastors fail to ever do that. And this morning and throughout this series, we're going to change that type of mentality. Now, the truth is, uh, I don't need to tell you about how to get healthier. You guys know that. Um, there's nothing I can do today to tell you that. I mean, it's not rocket science. Um, it's not brain surgery. To get healthy, you need uh, to be able to eat healthy food, and you've got to eat less unhealthy food. That's pretty much it. Exercise a little bit. And off, often, you need to remember that you've got to what? You've got to... Move it, move it, you got to move it, move it, you got to move it, move it, you got to move it, move it, right? That's what you have to do. You got to move it. You know, it's so late that just let it go, okay? No, I trained these guys. It was supposed to be on time immediately. You've got to, and then they make me look like a fool, okay? So. But you got to move it, and you got to get proper sleep, right? How many of you are getting proper sleep? Don't raise your hand, because you're liars. So no one's getting proper sleep. And we all know that we need to get some stress out of our lives, right? This is not rocket science. You know this. But what I want to talk about today is to focus on motivation, the why behind it all. Why do you not stick? Why do I not stick? to get-in-shape programs. I mean, for many of us, 12 days ago, we made some New Year's resolutions. And then the polar vortex came in, and we sat in our houses, and what did we do? We ate. And we're like, well, I can't, you know, I can't change the weather. I might as well just eat, you know? And so that's what we did. And for some of us, we had a resolution. We wanted to get in shape. We wanted to feel healthier. We wanted to lose some weight. And for some of us, that's already out the window. Now, we're blaming the polar vortex, but it was our choice. And the reason is if you don't get the right motivation, folks, you will never stick with it. You've got to have a reason. So let's talk about the importance that God places on our physical health. Uh, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, it's written by a guy by the name of Paul who wrote over half of the New Testament, was considered one of Jesus' uh, closest friends, and this is what he said. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is, been, is uh, permissible. In other words, you have the freedom, folks, to do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. But I will not be mastered by anything. Now, now, what is God saying here through Paul? He's saying that some things in life aren't necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. Does that make sense? Some things in life aren't necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. 
Now, we realize that you had the freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. But it's not necessarily beneficial for you. And the Scripture says, I'm not going to be mastered by it. I'm not going to be dominated by it. I'm not going to give into this addiction. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, verse 13 says. But God will destroy both. In other words, folks, you're not going to live forever. There's going to come a day that it, your body is not going to last forever. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his, God, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. He's going to raise you physically up from your body. Anyone else hot in here a little bit? Okay, let's get the heat down, okay? So someone who can do that. If you need heat and cooling, go to Complete Comfort um, if it gets cooled down. If not, don't worry about it. All right, verse 15. Do, uh, no, we, yeah, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Flee, the Bible says, from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. In other words, that is a special thing there that deals with sin. When you sin sexually, uh, you affect your body. Verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Jesus paid for you. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, what I want us to look at this morning is a passage of Scripture that we just looked at, but kind of breaking it down and looking at six things that God says are important about your body. The importance of your body, the importance of health. The first thing is this. God expects you to manage your body. God expects me to manage my body. I'm not the owner. I'm just the manager of my body. The word in the Bible is the word steward, which means uh, from the old English it's translated management. We're talking about the stewardship of your health today and over these next five weeks. In other words, I cannot blame somebody else for the way that I misuse or abuse my own body. I can't blame anyone else. Why? Because I'm the manager. My body is a gift from God, and it's simply given on loan. God owns it, and then he loans it to me. And this is the truth, folks, that one day you and I will stand before Almighty God, and we will be accountable for our bodies. And when we stand before him, he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with your body, your talents, your abilities. And God is watching to see, are we a caretaker of our bodies? So we've got to manage it. The second thing Scripture says is this. My body is God's property. My body is God's property. Now, these are fighting words in the United States. Because at a very early age, we have learned to be able to say, 
I'm going to do with my body what I want to do with my body whenever I want to do my body. And nobody is going to tell me what to do. Right? Because it's my body. And I'll do what I want. And God says, no, 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 no. It's not true. Who created your body? Not you, me. So I own the body. It's not your body. It's my body. I loaned it to you. It's not yours because you didn't create it. Your body is God's property. And Paul says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Why? Because he, it is his. And the Lord for the body. In other words, I don't, have to, uh, I don't have the right to just do with my body whatever I want with anybody I want whenever I want to do it with them. That's a radical concept in our culture, that we can't do with someone else anything we want to do with our bodies. Now, Americans make a very common mistake that the Greeks during the first century did as well. And the mistake was that they believed in this philosophy the Greeks did called dualism. Now, dualism, uh, Aristotle, Socrates, Pluto, all the Greeks believed in it. And it basically said this, we can separate the mind and the spirit from the body. That you don't have to be accountable for both things. You just have to be responsible for your spirit or your mind because that's what really matters and so if your spirit is right with God you can do with your body whatever you want they just kind of devalued the body very similar to our culture today in fact they taught that the body was evil so it really didn't matter if uh, you mess up your body you use your body in a wrong way what really matters is your spirit your mind and throughout scripture God says, that is absolutely hogwash. It's not true. The mind, body, and spirit are all important. And your body is not evil. Your body is holy. It's been set apart for God because he made it. And everything that God makes, folks, has a purpose. And your body has a purpose. God has never made anything without a purpose. So we can't compartmentalize uh, our soul or our mind in one way and then say, I'll do with my body whatever I want. They both matter. This is the truth. God owns your body. Okay? God owns your body. And one day you'll stand before God and you'll have to be accountable for it. He's the boss. Well, the third thing God says about the body through Paul is this. One day, my body will be resurrected after I die. One day, my body will be resurrected after I die. You see, folks, God never wastes anything. Some of you are going through some hurts right now. And God never wastes a hurt. He will never allow that hurt to just be thrown away if you'll give it to him. He will take any hurt that is in your life And he's a recycling God. He will recycle that hurt in such a way that it can bring about good. He doesn't waste anything. I mean, right now, folks, uh, you're living, your body is living in version 1.0. But one day, he tells us that we are going to be in 2.0. When we get to heaven, every single one of us is going to have a new body. Now, I'm pretty convinced that my body is going to look like this. 
Look like this. Look like that. Why are you laughing? Some of you are thinking right now, God can part the Red Sea. He can raise the dead, but Bunch, he can't do that for you. You know what I mean? Your wimpiness is going to heaven, right? This is just the way it is. Well, I'm praying though, folks. I'm praying. I'm hoping. Now, some people, when they think about resurrection and going to heaven one day, they think that you're going to be this invisible spirit, like I'm invisible and you can't see me. And then all of a sudden we'd be like, may the force be with you, you know, some kind of weird stuff like that. Other people think that heaven, uh, when you get to heaven, that you're going to be an angel, right? You're not going to be an angel. Most of you haven't been angels here, so you ain't going to be angels in heaven. (laughs) Angels are angels, right? And human beings are human beings. A lot of times people think that when they get to heaven that there's going to be white robes and you're going to have wings and playing a harp and sitting on a cloud and drooling a whole lot, you know, because you're so relaxed. You know what that would be for me? Hell. That's what that would be. No, no, no. Heaven, folks, is going to be an active place. And there will be bodies who are actively worshiping and serving God in the ways that he wants. Just as there is an economy here on earth, there will be an economy in heaven. Well, Scripture says this. How do we know this? It says, by his, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. You see, folks, your body is very important. In fact, God says, I'm not through with this yet. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to lift your body up. You may not know it, but I'm going to do that. Now, some of you are critically thinking right now, you won't say it out loud because you're in church, and you won't say it at family gatherings because people will be like, you're weird. But we all think it, that when your body dies, what happens to it? It decomposes, right? It becomes dust, ashes. If you're cremated, all that happens. So how are you going to do that, God? How are you going to put all this stuff back together again? I don't know how he's going to do it, but God says, I'm still going to resurrect it, and I'm going to put it together in a 2.0 kind of version. And just think about this. If he created the entire universe, do you think he could recreate a body? Yeah. Like, that's not too hard if you created the entire universe. Like, if you say, hey, I believe that, you know, something bigger than a human being created everything. And so if they did, if there's intelligent design, then he probably can create a body pretty easily. Now, if you're like me, you want your body to be studly. But the reality is we don't know what our bodies are going to be like in heaven. However, we do know about a guy who was resurrected. His name was Jesus. And he walked around the earth for 40 days in Jerusalem. And Scripture tells us that he ate that people shook his hand, that he talked to them. And on one particular day, 500 people saw him. We know that he talked to friends. He connected with a lot of different people. So that gives us a clue that we don't know what the body's going to look like, but people are going to recognize you. Everybody's going to know who you are. 
The thing is, is that you are just going to be the best perfected person that you've ever been that God intended you to be. You're going to be 2.0. You're going to be you, but you're going to be in a perfect format. Now, there was a phrase in this uh, passage of Scripture. I'd like you to circle it, by his grace, if you just, or by his power. If you just circle that. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. Because the key to any goal, but especially a health goal, folks, is that you do it in God's power. Now, why is it that we don't stick to New Year's resolutions? Why is that? Why don't we stick to these get healthy programs? Well, the first reason I already alluded to, but it's this. We try to use our own willpower rather than God's power. We try to use our own willpower rather than God's power. You know how long willpower works once the year begins? Through January. (laughs) Right? And then February comes, you're tired, and you're worn out, and you don't want to keep eating that food that's healthy for you, and you're just like done with it, because willpower is not enough to change. Now, willpower is great, and it's fantastic for the short term. The only problem is, is that your willpower does not last. New Year's resolutions don't last. Has anyone ever come up to you on July 4th and said, hey, guess what? I'm still living my New Year's resolution, right? No one ever has done that in my entire life. Folks, you need more than willpower. You need God's power because willpower is exhausting. You're going to get tired. I mean, the reality is, folks, whatever the weaknesses is, whatever the weaknesses in your life, you're probably going to struggle with it for the rest of your life. I struggle with time management. I'm probably going to struggle with that the rest of my life. I have to work very, very hard to do that. And finally, I realize, you know what? It's not about me working hard. It's about me waking up each morning and saying, God, you have given me this day. If I, if I do it myself, I'm going to mess the whole thing up. So I'm giving this day to you. God, help me to use my time wisely. And each morning I get up and I say, God, you know I struggle with this. Help me to use my time wisely. And the only way you do that, folks, is you can't be focused on willpower. You've got to plug into God's power. The second reason we don't stick to get healthy programs is we have the wrong motivation. We have the wrong motivation. When the goal is simply all about me, that's not enough for you to keep going throughout the entire year. I can't tell you how many exercise programs I have started before because I wanted to look good. I did this thing called a boot camp at the hospital one time. On one particular, you you worked out three times a week. One day, all you did was your abs. I I didn't even know I had abs like you have to do because that's all you did. You did sit-ups. On Wednesday of that week, we did stairs. You did six flights of stairs. You walked five of them, and the last one you ran. Now you think, well, that's not a big deal. You ever tried to walk ten flights of stairs? I did it when we were on vacation. I almost passed out. But I did it for nine months because I wanted to look good. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe. I mean, I mean, look, you know, like you have to change much, right? But I've tried several to look good. And that's not wrong. Those aren't bad goals to want to do that. 
But what we're talking about today is a far deeper thing than just losing weight or getting in shape. Because there is a spiritual significance to being in shape than simply looking good. That's why we have a reading plan through this entire time. I hope that you're reading the scripture. It's in your program. But there is a scripture to read each day so that you are connected with God throughout the time. It's all about living a healthier lifestyle, folks, not simply about losing weight. The third reason why we don't stick to get healthy programs is we try to change on our own. We try to change on our own. Folks, if you try to get healthy all by yourself, you're just going to do it on your own, guess what? It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. You were made for a community. You were created for a community. You've got to have group support. You've got to have a partner. You have to have someone who will hold you accountable. That's why right now I'd like you to pull out that same card that we talked about that has changed on the one side, but I'd like you to flip it over because it says this, uh, interested in a small group. Maybe some of you have never been in a small group and you're like, I don't know. Well, it's the new year. Take a risk. Go for it for these next six weeks and just try. Maybe you'll meet some people and you'll actually like them, okay? And your life might get better and you'll grow closer to God. And if not, after six weeks, then don't do it. But try it at least. Fill it out right now if you want. Fill out your name, what date is good. And then when you're done, there's a small groups table back there. And uh, Emily Skoglin, who's our small groups coordinator, Emily, if you'll just wave, that way no one has excuse that they didn't know, you can just give that to her and she'll get you plugged into a small group. And uh, our small groups meet for about an hour, hour and a half, and uh, you're going to meet people, you're going to grow, no one's going to like do anything weird, there's no seances here. We hold that for second small group, no, I'm joking. We don't, there's none of that, okay? It's simply you connecting with God, connecting with the other people, and growing closer, and it can change your life. It's changed uh, my life. So after the celebration, I would encourage you uh, to go back there uh, and to do that. Now, the fourth thing uh, it says about our body. My body is connected to the body of Christ. Maybe you've never heard this before, but your body, the Bible is very clear, is connected to the body of Christ. What's the body of Christ? It's the church. That your body is connected to this place. That's why when you're not here, we miss you. When you are here, we're so grateful that you're growing closer to God, that you're being used in multiple ways. And so you're connected here. Verse 15 says this. Do you not know that you are the members of Christ himself? Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. In other words, he's saying there is a special class because when you sin sexually, it's not just against God, but you sin against yourself. The fifth reason why God says your body is important is this. The Holy Spirit lives in your body. Now, that might be a weird thought for some of you who aren't a Christ follower, uh, but don't freak out about it. But uh, when you choose to accept Christ and you want God to be a part of your life, His Spirit actually is given to you as a gift to help you to live the most abundant life that you can live. Verse 19 says this. Do you not know that your body is the temple 
of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. That means that what happens is, is that God actually takes up residence in your life. You see, since the beginning of time, God has always had a dwelling place. Scripture tells us that very early on that God dwelt in the heavens and then he created earth. And then once he chose a certain group of people, the people of Israel, he built a place to help them to understand. He didn't need it, but to help them understand that God dwelt in this place and it was called the tabernacle. It was just a tent and it looked like this. Uh, We have a, a view of it. And the Israelites, whenever they would because they were nomadic people, as they would walk around and they would come to a place, uh, the first thing they would do was they would build this, and people knew that the presence of God then was in the camp and that people uh, could offer sacrifices and they could offer uh, things to God because he was in that particular place. God dwelled in that place. Then later on, Uh, God went to a guy by the name of David and he gave him dimensions that he said, I don't want to keep living around because I've chosen a people, I've chosen a city. And in uh, Jerusalem, uh, there was a guy by the name of Solomon, David's son, who built this and God resided or God dwelt in that place called the temple. God dwelt there. But today, where does God dwell? In us. And when we all come together, Scripture says, when two or three are gathered in my name, then Jesus is present here also. So that's why coming to church is so important, because Jesus shows up and he wants to connect with you in deep ways. And he lives in you. You are his temple. Now let's say that uh, we're walking down a street somewhere in Muncie, and we walk by a church, and we notice some kids getting spray paint cans and starting to put graffiti all over the outside of the church. Or let's say we go by a a temple and there are some kids that are grabbing rocks and they're vandalizing the temple. They're they're breaking uh, the windows. Now, most of us, we look at that and we go, that's not right. Nobody should do that. Even if maybe you don't necessarily believe as those people do, you should not vandalize a temple. You should not vandalize the church. And most of us probably would try to stop them or uh, we'd call the police. But the reality is, folks, we vandalize our temple every single day. You vandalize your temple, and so do I. It's your body. You do so by what you put in it. You do it with your lack of sleep schedule, by not caring for your body. You're vandalizing the temple of God when you don't care for your body. Because the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, lives in it. The sixth thing that God says is important about the body is this. Jesus bought my body on the cross. Jesus bought my body on the cross. Again, Paul says these words. He says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Let me ask you a question this morning. 
Do you know what you're worth? Do you know what you're worth? You're worth this next slide. You're worth so much that Jesus spread his arms as far as he could and allowed nails to be pounded into them so that you would never have to carry sin and guilt in your life and you could have freedom. And he bore all of that so that you could be set free. You could be forgiven. And you could live life to the fullest. And you would have a home in heaven that was guaranteed. And so what are you worth? You are worth the cross. That's what you're worth. And I've said this multiple times and I'll continue to say it because some of you just don't get it that if you were the only person on planet earth when Jesus went to the cross, he wouldn't have said, oh, I'm not going to do this just for one person. No, he said on that given day, I will do it for whoever. And he wasn't concerned whether you were an atheist. He wasn't concerned if you believed in him. He wasn't concerned if you were Buddhist, Muslim, whatever. Jesus died on the cross for every single person. That's what you're worth. You have never locked eyes on another human being that God did not send Jesus to die for so that you would not have to carry any sin in your life and you would be set free and you could live in heaven for eternity. That's what you're worth, folks. You are worth so much. Your body is worth so much. I mean, it'd be like, uh, you know, if you bought a racehorse, let's say a a million-dollar racehorse. Would you give that racehorse junk food? No. Because you want to win the race. You would do whatever you could to win that out. And you are worth so much more than a million-dollar racehorse. And Jesus is concerned about our bodies. You are the temple of God. Look at this next verse. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You know what's interesting about this? It says, in view of this, brothers, uh, or in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. He doesn't say souls. He doesn't say minds. He doesn't say your spirit. He says your, your body. Because you can't serve God except in your body. Now, what's interesting is that every once in a while, uh, I'll meet someone in public, and they haven't been to church like in months, years maybe. And uh, they'll come up to me, and they look kind of guilty. Like, oh, man, the pastor's there. Maybe some of you have tried to escape me before, you know. Um, and, and all of a sudden, they'll come up to me, and they'll be like, oh, pastor, you know, I'm so sorry that I haven't seen you lately, but I'm there with you in spirit. I'm... I'm not there physically, but I'm there with you in spirit. You know what that means? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing, right? It means nothing. Because you can't be somewhere that you aren't. You can only be 
where you are physically with your body. So it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Did you realize, folks, that taking care of your body is an act of worship? It's a spiritual discipline. And let me just say this to summarize. I want to get my body in better health. And as your pastor, as someone who loves you, as someone who cares about you, I want you to have better health too. Now, all of us struggle with different things. I don't struggle so much with the exercise part, and I have a pretty high metabolism. But any of you that know me very well, there's an area that I struggle with, and that's food. I do not eat vegetables very well, and I do not eat fruit very well. So at the first of the year, I decided that I was going to eat one fruit and one vegetable each day. And I've done pretty well. I wouldn't say I've done perfect, but I'm hitting it. It's in my head. You know, it takes time to change things. And uh, right before the first of the year, my wife thought it would be real great if she took uh, our babysitter out to uh, that Japanese steakhouse, you know, that's on McGalliard. You all know what it's called, Fuji, right? Like none of you have ever been there, but I don't know. But usually I would eat all the meat and eat all the stuff and just push the broccoli and all that away. And so I decided that I was going to change. So I had three things of broccoli. There have not been three pieces of broccoli to hit this mouth in 30 years. Okay? And so that's why I decided. You know how much broccoli I've had since then? Two other helpings of broccoli. My wife, no, don't clap. It ain't that good. All right? I mean... Clap for somebody who deserves it. I mean, these are like two or three little... I'm like the... Well, I'll tell you next week. But um, I'm like the little kid, you know, that you kind of force feed the food. So that's what I struggle with. So I'm just being honest. I don't know what your thing is, but whatever it is, this is the time to make a change. Psalm 119.73 says this, You make my body, Lord. Now give me sense to heed your laws. You know, a lot of people will come and they'll pray for a miracle. Well, why would God do a miracle with your body if he knows that in the next week you're just going to keep putting the same junk into it and messing around that you've been doing? Guess what? He ain't going to do it. And if you're financially in a horrible mess right now and you're wanting a miracle so that it all gets erased, he's not going to do it. You know why? Because he knows you're going to overspend next week. And uh, we'll talk about that in February, about how important it is that that's another aspect of your life, to get your finances together as well. The Bible says, you made my body, Lord, now give me sense to heed your laws. Deuteronomy 32, in the Old Testament, it says this, these instructions that God gives us are not mere words, they are life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land. Now, if I stood up here right now and I said, you know what, I've got the miracle pill. Like, it will extend your life. It's like the fountain of youth kind of pill. If I had that and I threw in some Ginsu knives, I mean, 
you know, I'd have to do that in 1995 and uh, throw in some Ginsu knives. You'd storm the stage. Well, folks, we have something, and it's in your reading plan, but it's also in this book called the Bible that there are health programs, principles, promises, that if you'll read it and you allow it then to get in your life, you will change and your life will become healthier. Scripture says all the time, if you do this, God says, I will extend your life. If you do this, you will have a long life. If you do this, I will add years to your life. If you do this, I will move in. Anyone want to guess how many people in the United States are 100 years or older? 53,000. 53,000 people. So the reality is that most of us probably are going to live longer than our parents. The real question is, what kind of quality of life are you going to have at the end of your life? Are you going to be active and moving? Are you going to be in a wheelchair? Are you going to be on a bed? How are you going to do that? The key is, folks, how you take care of your body. Next week, we have Zumba, right? Next week, we have Zumba. Now, I did Zumba last year. You know how long I lasted? About 30 minutes. You know how long the thing was? 60 minutes. I mean, after a while, I just didn't know what to do. I was moving and shaking, but nothing, it just wasn't working. So it doesn't matter if you can only do five minutes or 50 minutes next week. So you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go for it. And we all love you. Like if there's any place where you could do Zumba, it'd be at the church because we love you no matter what. And God wants to help you through that. So next week is a great way for you to do that. But sustaining physical health, folks, I have never seen happen. And sustaining spiritual health never happens unless they're connected together. Your spirit and your body have to be connected. So I just want to wrap things up by giving you four practical things that you need to do to become healthier. Four things to do to become healthier. The first one is this. Trusting God is good for my health. Maybe for some of you, you're here, uh, like Derek said earlier, because it's one of the first Sundays, and you're checking things out. Well, trust God and take that insert of reading plan for this week. It's just Monday through Friday. Start reading and see what God would do. Trust. Now, you might ask, uh, why would I do that? Because this is what I found, that if you're trusting in God, then you can't worry. A person cannot panic and pray at the same time. If you're focused in prayer, folks, then you are not going to panic. And this is what I found. The people who pray a lot and are trusting in God a lot, guess what? They worry a whole lot less. They just do. Psalm 116, 7, David, the guy who built the temple, uh, the greatest king in the Old Testament, he said this, I said to myself, relax. Because the Lord takes care of you. Some of you should memorize that this week. Relax. Because the Lord's going to take care of me. Solomon, David's son, who built the temple uh, that the um, specifications were given to David, he says this in Proverbs uh, 14, verse 30. 
A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bone. Friends, a lot of times, it's not just what you eat that matters, but it's what is eating you. I mean, I've seen people before, they eat everything organic, they eat the right proper, you know, portions of food, they're exercising five times a week, they're doing all of this stuff, and they are just messed up. Why is that? If you're resentful for you, with your dad, if you're envious against a friend, if you're bitter against your mom, if you're guilty about something that you did yesterday, it's going to eat away at you. I mean, resentment and bitterness kills more people than cancer, I'm convinced of. It's like a fire. It burns on the inside because it's not just what you eat, folks, but what is it that's eating you? So you trust God. The second thing you have to do is confess sin. Confess my sin. Confessing my sin is good for my health. Any psychologist would, uh, you know, tell you this is good. You got to confess and connect with God. Confess your flub-ups, mess-ups, screw-ups. And if you do, then it won't affect your body. If you don't, it'll affect your body. Again, I'm just being real uh, transparent this morning. Um, last night I got in an argument with my wife and it was all my fault, but I was ticked off at her. I mean, mad. And, uh, I got up this morning to pray and I was like, Oh God, you know, I was such a jerk towards Jennifer. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And he said, yeah, I, I forgive you, but, uh, you need to ask her for forgiveness. So 6 o'clock this morning, I text her. She'd gone to the hospital because she was on call all night, had a very difficult night, and I text her, and I go, hey, I just wanted to apologize for being a jerk. Will you forgive me? And she texts me back, I'll think about it, you know? (laughs) No, she didn't. She forgave me, right? I think, you know. Psalm 32. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable. And I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. And you forgave me. What's that next phrase say? All my guilt is gone. It's gone. Don't carry any baggage from 2013 into 2014. Leave it there. Don't carry resentment, fear, envy, jealousy, anything else. So trusting God, confessing your sin. And the next thing, giving generously is good for my health. Every time I give, folks, my heart gets bigger. I bet many of you watched, uh, you know, the story of the Grinch. And it says that once he got generosity, what happened? His heart grew what? Three times the size. Now, people will tell you sometimes, you know what, I'm not very materialistic. And I often want to say, well, show me your checkbook. You know what I mean? Because then I could tell you whether you're materialistic or not. Show me your time. Is it all spent on you or do you give it away? You know, there are more promises in this book that if you give, God will meet your needs. Because God wants you to learn to be like Him. And He's a very generous God. He's generous, so He wants you to be generous. I was thinking about this week. 
Last week we didn't have church because of the weather. And there are two types of people, takers and givers. Takers are always mad and they're always sad. Givers are always glad. People probably sat there and they came in today and they're like, man, I got off last week. I don't have to give any money to the church. Hallelujah. You know what I mean? You know what that is? That's a taker. You know what a giver is? A giver is, you know what? I give double what I was going to give simply because I have a generous God and I want to be generous to other people. Proverbs 11.25 says this, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Last thing. Having fun is good for my health. Having fun is good for my health. Folks, God doesn't want you to just endure in life. He wants you to enjoy life, to have fun. Proverbs 17.22 says this, a cheerful heart, a positive attitude, being happy, loving, laughter, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Let me tell you from personal experience in my own life, If you learn to laugh at yourself, you've got a lot of material. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, and I'm just like, (laughs) what an idiot. Like God could actually use you. Man, you got a great sense of humor, God. I mean, it's just true. You need to put some fun in your life. Put play in your day. Uh, You know that saying, the family that prays together stays together. I often want to say, too, the family that plays together stays together. Now, this last week, we had all of this bad winter stuff. And uh, families uh, probably chose how to do that differently. My family decided to have fun. So on Sunday, we didn't have church. My kids, I mean, they're like PK kids. They're like, no church. Let's do a snowman, Dad. So we're like out there, and we build a snowman. Then we had snowball fights. I drilled my oldest daughter, you know what I mean? Like you throw it, and then you're like, did I hurt her? No. <laughs> you know? And uh, we did that and uh, played board games, sock monkey. But Tuesday came, and we're still kind of in the house, but we can't go outside. And my wife was on call, and she went to the hospital. And so uh, when that happened, they decided they wanted to play Cinderella. Now, typically, when we play Cinderella, I'm the prince. Some of you don't seem very convinced. But I'm the prince. But mom wasn't there, so I had to become the other person that's really important in the story, the wicked stepmother and the wicked stepsisters and the fairy godmother. So I'm like being all of this stuff. Now, I lost my man card, guys, on Tuesday, okay? It's gone. But we had fun. The reality is, folks, everybody hates change. Everybody does. Especially when it comes to our body. And we think it's too hard to work out. It's too hard to change my diet. I don't have time to be in a small group. We can make excuses for everything. But with God's power, folks, we can change. The question is, will you trust God or will you stay fixed on your fear? Stories told in which Jesus one day is walking down a road and he sees a man off the side of the road who had been paralyzed for 38 years. 
And as he walks by him, he, he sees him, and he stops, and you think, oh, Jesus is going to say something to him. He's going to heal him. He's going to give encouragement. No, he doesn't do anything. He asks a question. And it's one of the most powerful questions in all of Scripture. And this was the question. I ask it of you today. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And you think, well, Jesus, why would you ask that? This guy's been paralyzed for 38 years. Surely he wants to get well. And Jesus said, I don't know. I'm going to ask him the question. Where do you want to be with your health a year from today? Do you want to have more energy? Do you want to have a sharper mind? Do you want to be able to have a stronger body? Do you want to get well? I know it's scary to make changes, folks. It's hard. But God says, if you will run to me, if you will seek my power, I can help you change. I can help you get healthier, to eat healthier food, to have healthier exercise. I can do it if you'll run to me. And so I thought the way we would close today is that we would sing a song about running towards God. And my prayer is, is that as you sing the song that God might convict you, the Holy Spirit's inside you, might tell you that this is something I want you to work on. And you'd make that change in 2014. So let's stand for your closing prayer. After the uh, band plays, if you'd like prayer for anything, the prayer team will be up here. They'd love to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, you created every single body in this place. Help us to be reminded, God, that our bodies don't belong to us, but they belong to you. And forgive us, God, of those times in which we have misused or abused our health. God, we want to run to you each day and to get into a support group of people that we could become healthier so that we could be used more by you. So come Holy Spirit now. We know you live within us. Now would you challenge us, convict us, encourage us, love on us, whatever we need right now, that we'd have a moment, God, that we could make a change, one change maybe in our life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.